Good morning, everybody. Please make your way to the stage where we're about to have Raylene Sebastian. And Raylene is going to be talking about not your neurotypical female. Raylene is with lived experience of ADHD and mental health advocate and the founder of Not Your Neurotypical podcast on Spotify. Since being diagnosed at the age of 25, Raylene has spoken to women across the globe with a late diagnosis of ADHD and other disabilities. She highlights the raw struggles of ADHD, how individuals living with neurodivergent conditions are misinformed, misrepresented and underdiagnosed, and the importance of finding your community and harnessing curiosity to help improve your quality of life and your mental health. Please put your hands together for Raylene. I begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to any First Nations people present today. I was convincing myself that I didn't have it. Just to know that I wasn't crazy, my whole life made sense. These are Bridget's words from my podcast in episode one. She recounts the day that she found out she was finally diagnosed with combined ADHD presentation at the age of 28. The challenges associated with this brain difference and how severe the late impact of a late diagnosis has on women is significant. Like Bridget and many others, women are overwhelmed and unsupported for this hidden disability. And I'm here to address the serious injustice that has emerged in recent years. It is the fact that women with ADHD are chronically underdiagnosed, misguided and ill-informed. I want to reiterate that much is still being learned about how ADHD presents in women and as a result are less likely to be identified and referred for assessment. Being ADHD is not gender exclusive condition, but it is time we recognize these unique experiences of women. As women tend to, tend, don't tend to show as many outward signs, their needs are less likely to be met and support provided, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I wanna preface this by saying I'm not a medical professional, but I am a professional of my own lived experience. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, is not simply a label or a diagnosis. It is part of being neurodivergent, which means having a brain that functions differently from the average or neurotypical person. This may be differences in social preferences, learning, communication, and many other ways of living. By definition, there are three main types of ADHD, hyperactive, inattentive, and combined. It is a behavior disorder, usually first diagnosed in childhood and it is a develop developmental impairment of the brain's self-management system. It is crucial to know that ADHD is deeply rooted in the fabric of the human experience. It is not something that can be dismissed or trivialized. Women in particular have been overlooked because behind the mask of apparent normalcy, countless women are silently battling the challenges of ADHD, struggling to find answers. ADHD is not a trendy tag like you see on TikTok, or an excuse for laziness. It is a real and complex condition that affects millions across the globe. In Australia alone, one in 20 people have ADHD. While it is more obvious in males, 
women are underrepresented and misrepresented. The reality is that women are often diagnosed with and treated for a comorbid condition before being recognized as having ADHD, and this drastically affects the quality of life. To the untrained eye, ADHD in women presents differently than the stereotypical image of a hyperactive, impulsive male child. It can often be confusing and misleading when you hear and meet people and women like Simone, Patricia, and Charlie, the women in my podcast, who are successful, capable, and healthy human beings. Women with ADHD exhibit symptoms such as forgetfulness, disorganization, and difficulties with time management. They struggle with inattentiveness, constantly feeling overwhelmed by the demands of daily life, and struggle with executive functioning. And these struggles can have profound consequences on their mental health, self-esteem, and overall well-being. Out of the 10 guests I have currently interviewed for my podcast, nine identify, nine identify as female. Eight live in Australia and are between the ages of 25 to 56, and they were all diagnosed with ADHD much later in life. The shared barriers that the women on my podcast and I have faced when getting our ADHD diagnosis, to name a few, are insufficient support, lack of knowledge, and gender bias. When untreated, ADHD has a major impact on a person's sense of self, career, and the people around them. People pay the price of living with this condition. We struggle with focus and attention, which causes problems at school, decreasing our chances for future career advancements. We often change jobs because we are searching for stimulating environments. We, um, and because of our impulsivity, we suffer financial debt. But the overwhelming cost of living with ADHD lies in the price you have to pay in seeking a diagnosis of ongoing treatment. Not everyone is fortunate to afford the upkeep. In addition, ADHD does not appear on the list of disabilities supported by the NDIS, which means that unless there is another disability which could be a primary disability, the ADHD cannot be considered by the NDIS. In practice, some people with ADHD have gained access relatively easily, others with difficulty, and yet have had more of their applications refused. On a positive note, currently there are 29 adults in Australia that are on the NDIS with ADHD as their primary disability. There is also a Senate inquiry into ADHD care looking to recognise ADHD as a real condition. And this is a big deal because it is no longer, it does not make it invisible. In a study published by Deloitte in 2019, when untreated, ADHD can almost halve a person's lifespan, even though we have the processes in place to provide early diagnosis and quality treatment to prevent this. Due to lack of awareness and knowledge, some women are also forced to convince their GPs and undergo numerous costly assessments to prove that they live with this condition. They are told that they are just faking it or overreacting and it isn't wise to seek a diagnosis. But the biggest barrier in this reality lies in the gender bias that pervades our understanding of this condition. For far too long, society has marginalized and stigmatized women with ADHD, perpetuating a cycle of misunderstanding and unrealistic stereotypes. The prevailing belief that ADHD is primarily a male disorder has led to a significant underdiagnosis of women. Many women are told that they are just scatterbrained or emotional, leading them to, to internalise feelings of shame and inadequacy. The late diagnosis of ADHD in women is a journey that can, that can span decades, a journey marked by frustration, confusion, and a persistent feeling of being misunderstood, just like I felt. It is a journey characterized by missed opportunities, unfulfilled potential, and a nagging sense of not quite fitting in. It is a journey that can erode self-esteem and leave scars that may take a lifetime to heal. 
The message that is instilled in us is that early intervention is key, yet we are failing these women. But amidst the struggles lies resilience, creativity, and an unparalleled strength. Women who experience barriers to being diagnosed with ADHD develop unique but harmful coping mechanisms, harnessing their intense emotions and unwavering determination to navigate a world that often fails to understand them. They possess a tenacity born out of the battles they fight silently day after day. Frankie, who I interviewed in episode two of my podcast, is currently battling cancer, and she received her ADHD diagnosis in life, later in life, at 30 years old, after years of being misled and misdiagnosed. She confessed and told me that, quote, if I could choose to take away the ADHD or the cancer, take away the ADHD. One of the most damaging coping strategies that women with ADHD rely upon protection is masking. Masking removes you from the authentic self and a better quality of life. It is a form of self-silence and it only increases the invisibility of this disability. The cost of women concealing their ADHD is a large factor. I am a part of what some people call a neurodivergent community, the Late Diagnosis Club. I was diagnosed with ADHD last year in November, just a week after I was married. I'm 26 now and I have still much to learn. When I was diagnosed, I felt immense relief, but also immense grief. I kept thinking, how could this be? And my God, imagine where I would be now. The process of getting my diagnosis was quite simple, but this is not the case for most women. As a child, I struggled to meet the expectations set by society. I was always labeled as weird and loud. I was told to sit still in school, pay attention and conform. I found myself daydreaming and struggling to concentrate on tasks that others seemed to breeze through effortlessly. I noticed how I needed to draw while listening to the teacher explain or rub my earlobe as a stim as a comfort, which I still do. But instead of receiving the support I needed, I was labelled as lazy, unmotivated or simply not trying hard enough. As I grew older, the challenges persisted. Somehow I made it into uni, but really I was masking my difficulties, desperately trying to fit in. I was courageous and instead harnessed my hyperactivity as a strength in my volunteering. I pushed myself to the brink of exhaustion as a, and compensating for the struggles that remain invisible to the outside world. And all the while, my true potential was stifled. I could not keep up with the demands of an unstructured reality. I was told to keep going. You just need grit, people would tell me. I was told to mold myself in a rigid structure that did not align with my neurodivergent mind. Due to trauma, I was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and high-functioning anxiety. What I didn't know then was that trauma exacerbated my ADHD symptoms. I was highly reactive, emotionally sensitive, even more impulsive. I constantly jumped from hyperfixation to hyperfixation, moving from job to job to find environments that were more stimulating. I deferred university because I could no longer handle it and that I would enroll again, battling imposter syndrome and encounter troubles with my executive functioning. I would schedule appointments with my psychologist and work on strategies to support myself until, of course, those strategies stopped working. Then I started my diagnosis into ADHD. In short, I reached out to a diagnostic center. They recommended I get a diagnosis. I wrote a five-page document of my experiences relating to ADHD. I saw my GP, requested a referral, submitted to a psychiatrist that specialized in diagnosing female adults with ADHD, and waited two months and received a diagnosis after a two-hour conversation with my psychiatrist. Some are not so lucky though, but I have a fantastic support network. Family and friends who reached out and helped me identify my struggle, and I'm forever grateful to them. 
During the course of my lifetime, however, I had to learn the hard way that, I, that the way that I think, speak and act does not resonate with the preferred way of being in this world. Receiving a late diagnosis has enhanced my quality of life. Although late, ADHD has given me the gift of creativity, heightened enthusiasm, increased empathy, among many other things. Do not get me wrong, I love that I have it. And here's the thing, a late diagnosis is not the end of the story. It is an opportunity for empowerment, understanding and growth. When women finally realize and receive an ADHD diagnosis, it can be a life-changing moment of validation, a realization that they are not alone and there is a biological basis for their struggles. To continue to achieve this, we must foster a culture of empathy and support. We need to provide accessible resources, educate healthcare professionals, and empower women to seek the help they need without fear of judgment or dismissal that happens a lot more than you know. I know women experiencing white coat syndrome, turning themselves away from the healthcare system that is meant to support them. We need to instead amplify their voices, ensuring that their struggles are validated and their triumphs celebrated. The journey of my post-diagnosis was the chance to reveal self-esteem, embrace strengths, and learn effective coping strategies. It was an invitation to advocate for my needs, to seek support from loved ones, and to connect with a community who share similar experiences. In my podcast, I've learned three things. Number one, be curious and get your facts straight. Embrace curiosity to learn as much as you can about yourself. Don't assume you know everything about yourself because I can guarantee you there's more to learn about yourself than you think. Understand your own history, your past, your upbringing. It might actually help you with the diagnosis. Filter your negative self-talk to live an emotionally healthier life. Be compassionate with yourself. Allow yourself to be amazed by your inner world and self-awareness and self-criticity will bring you much closer to a path of authenticity. And that way, when someone asks you to introduce yourself, you're not limited to answer by what you do for work instead of being proud of all that you are. The more you know about yourself and your barriers, the more success you'll have in finding systems, strategies, and tools that will actually serve you. Learn more and research so you're well-informed and this will help you advocate for yourself. The women in my podcast all received a late diagnosis. And the first step was to look inside. They taught me to be daring to discover the weird parts of myself and to be courageous, and it will set the tone for the next chapter of my life. Number two, be fair in yourself and accept where you are today. Acceptance doesn't mean that you give up hopes of things of being different. It only means that you're honest about what's true today and you can acknowledge progress. Self-acceptance will help you combat any shame and move on from disappointments. You can learn to be resilient and gain perspective on your limitations, allowing yourself to make mistakes and learn from them. You're only human after all. And it can be hard to accept yourself if you haven't done the inner work, but without acceptance, you cannot grow. For women with ADHD, acceptance enables us to overcome the challenges ahead with more strength and more compassion, allowing yourself the space to breathe and embrace your strengths. As the women in my podcast say, embrace your weirdness. You will find the courage to unmask and uncover your authentic self. The journey of ADHD is merely to untangle the shame and the stigma that we as, as uh, women with invisible differences have continued to receive. But it starts with self-acceptance. As I stand here to present to you, I am conscious of the anticipating feelings of RSD, rejection, sensitive dysphoria, and the judgment that I'm far too used to. The types of interactions I face, fortunately, have been quite positive because I have found my safe spaces. 
But when we are constantly belittled, we believe it to be a common practice to encounter defeating and disempowering comments. The most phrases of self-doubt from the women in my podcast are, I was broken, something is wrong with me, I must be crazy, I'm a failure, I'm just lazy, or I'm different. But self-acceptance will lead you to some self-discovery and hopefully with a lot of answers. And lastly, number three, connection, not perfection. As Simone told me in episode four, finding your community is super important. Just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean that you are less than the next person. Being mindful that you are an amazing human being. I have understood that discovering what motivates me without having to trick my brain is imperative to regulating my ADHD. Supporting the women and people on my podcast to highlight their invisible battles has been extremely valuable. For me, learning from others in this community has helped me enrich, enrich my experiences and validate them with a curious eye. Speaking to these women has kept me informed and helped me in my approaches in what it means to be neurodivergent. The guests on the podcast have all expressed that finding their ADHD community has been transformative because it helps them be seen and heard. All in all, this podcast for me has been completely neuroaffirming. While I listened to the stories and experiences of those with ADHD, I uncovered a wealth of insights and perspectives that broaden my understanding of my world. I learned about resilience, creativity, and innovation in the face of adversity. I witnessed the power of determination, the strength to, per to persevere, and the courage to embrace one's uniqueness. I learned that seek seeking a diagnosis or a self-diagnosis is still valid, but finding your people makes you realize that nothing is wrong with you. By acknowledging the human experiences tied to ADHD, we can move away from judgment and towards acceptance, recognizing that every person, regardless of their neurodivergence, has inherent value and deserves an equal opportunity to thrive. Imagine a world where we can celebrate neurodiversity in all its forms, where we recognize ADHD and not dismiss it. But change cannot happen in isolation. It requires a collective effort. I created the Not, not, I created the not Your Typical podcast to challenge societal stereotypes, dismantle mental health stigma, demand more comprehensive education, research and support, and learn from others. I want to foster an environment of empathy and understanding where people of all genders feel safe to share their struggles without fear of shame. These women have flocked to be a podcast, to be a guest on my podcast and on many others because they have finally found a platform to advocate, be themselves and share their grievances. Imagine the stories that remain untold, the countless successes and victories when those living with ADHD are empowered and supported. We should listen, learn and understand the experiences of our ADHD and neurodivergent community, raising their voices and empowering them to rewrite the narrative. The key to, overlook, to fewer overlooked diagnoses in women in future will be for us to keep in mind that there is no one kind of person who has ADHD. I've heard somewhere that if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. You definitely have not met them all. Here at the Remarkable Disability Expo, we get to celebrate the vibrant mosaic of human diversity and embrace the power of inclusion. We have the chance to unite diverse perspectives, fostering a community that embraces all disabilities, neurodiversity, and health inclusivity. We have the ability to create a society where every individual feels empowered to be their authentic selves, irrespective of their physical or mental health challenges. Neurodiversity is a vital component of the human experience. And just as we celebrate the rich tapestry of cultural diversity in Australia, we must also appreciate the diverse ways in which our minds can function.
We need to recognise the hidden battles fought by women with ADHD, their late, their, late, sorry, their late diagnosis and the profound impact on their lives. Let's uplift their stories, amplify their voices and create a world where everyone can receive timely support and understanding. Thank you to the team at Impact Institute for giving me this unique opportunity and thank you for listening. Thank you so much for that, Aileen. Um, has anybody got any questions before she gets off the stage? Well, I think um, if people do, I'm sure you're going to be sticking around for a little while. Um, I encourage you to go over and I'm really interested to listen to your podcast because I think it's um, a couple of the things that resonated with me was that no one's the same and you know having um, a diagnosis is important but um, I think it goes beyond that in just being recognised and you know being believed with what's actually going on so um, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much.